This is Shaping the Future by Regent Street, brought to you directly from the iconic London Street itself and launched to celebrate its 200th anniversary year. Our modern world and everyday experiences are constantly being formed and informed by cultural influences around us. From traditions of old to the incoming tides of technology and emerging trends in fashion, art, food and well-being, this podcast celebrates how Regent Street is leading the way with these cultural forces and their impact on places now and in the future. I'm Elizabeth Day, journalist, podcaster and cultural magpie, and I'll be interviewing leaders making pioneering contributions to the world around us. Hello and welcome back to Shaping the Future by Regent Street. I'm your host, Elizabeth Day, and today we're talking about celebrations and festivals. What a lovely topic. Because when it was built 200 years ago, Regent Street was the original purpose-built shopping street for the capital. But it's now grown into a world-renowned destination that curates year-round memorable experiences that go beyond just shopping. Its programme of events is globally recognised and it includes summer streets, show in the dark and the switch on of its iconic Christmas lights in November. And today I'm so delighted to welcome someone who has been integral in one of the most widely known celebrations on Regent Street, Alison Camps, who is co-chair of Pride in London. Alison, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm fascinated by the fact that you are co-chair of Pride, which is, as I mentioned, a staggeringly brilliant celebration. I've been for the last couple of years and it really is amazing. And yet it's not your full-time job. (laughs) No, um, I think one of the remarkable things about Pride in London, I mean, obviously there are literally now hundreds of Prides around uh, the UK, but of the major Pride events, London is the only one that is run uh, by volunteers. Our board of directors are all volunteers. We all have um, day jobs of some form. For some of us, that means parenting. For other of us, that means uh, working. And then on top of that, we have the gay job. I love that. (laughs) The day and the gay job. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So what's your day job? Well, so my my day job, um, I'm the deputy chairman of a company called Quadrangle, which is a customer consultancy. Um, And we actually do a lot of work in uh, retail. So our business is research and insight and strategy. And we work with clients like John Lewis and Marks and Spencer and various others um, in financial services and other sectors too, to help them understand their customers better. Now, it feels to me as a bystander that pride over the last, three years in London has just got bigger and better and even more inclusive. Is that true? Yeah, um, we, so we took over in um, 2013. The previous organisation had unfortunately um, run into financial dif- difficulties because it is really tough keeping a show like Pride on the road because you've got to raise such a lot of money to make it happen. Um, So the Mayor of London and his team let a contract for five years and there were, I I believe, three bidders for that contract and and, um, we were the only community-based group. And we won the contract for five years to run London's Pride celebrations. And our budget has doubled over that uh, over that time. And when we started, you know, we had less than 20,000 people in the Pride. And now there are over 30,000 people. So we have seen terrific growth. The BBC estimated that this year there were 
um, one and a half million people on the streets of London celebrating Pride. So, you know, that is that that's nearly three times what it was in in 2013. And this might seem like an obvious question, but why is Pride important? Well, uh, I think it's a very good question, actually, because a lot of people who you know, have no real reason to look at or try to understand LGBT plus politics or the community would look at uh, the situation that we're in in this country and say, well, why do you need pride? You've got equal rights. You can get married. You can do all sorts of things. But then on, you know, at the same time, there are people in this country and a lot of people in this country who, given the chance, would be very happy to deny us those rights. I mean, I was on a a forum the other day where there was a woman who was saying, I don't know what you're complaining about. You know, you can get on buses, you can vote. Wow. Yeah. Um, And that's, you know, there's there's a lot uh, of um, work in terms of winning hearts and minds still to be done. Uh, And I think it's important also to recognise where we've come from as a community and the struggles that we faced and and some of those struggles have been overcome but by no means all of them and there is still an enormous amount of prejudice out there. There is also a growing amount of hate crime. So in that context, whilst Pride is a fabulous celebration, it also needs to be a reminder that we're fighting the good fight but we haven't yet won the battle. Because there's a campaigning arm to Pride as yeah. well, isn't there? Yes, I mean we. So obviously, the focus of Pride in London is is the day itself. But in the run up to that, we run a festival, um, which lasts for a month, uh, and we work with this area, so with retailers and with the associations in this area to to really kind of shine a light on what we're doing during that month. But we also run research campaigns and um, advertising campaigns and we're very grateful. We're, we're so lucky with the marketing and media community here in London who support us so generously in terms of giving us space. So for the past two years, we've had the screens at Piccadilly Circus to get our campaigning messages across. Last year, we did a piece of research that showed that the British public care more about animal rights than they do about LGBT rights. Uh, And that also revealed that only half of the population believe that LGBT plus people have the right to live their lives fully as who they are. So you can see that you know, campaigning and keeping this issue on the agenda is is key because we are not, you know, we do not have equality. Just as, you know, we're talking as women, just as the Me Too movement really shone a light on the situation that many women face or have faced in terms of abuse and, and worse. Pride in London is a celebration, but it is also a fight. You mentioned there the opportunity to live fully as you are. Mm. And it feels to me again as if pride offers that opportunity that you can be entirely yourself. And that again, it's very important, I'm imagining, for you to amplify the lesser heard voices even within the LGBTQ community. So maybe trans people or gender people who are exploring gender fluidity. How important is that? That's really important. So when I got involved in pride, um, it really was... a a white gay man's movement and you know there are a a number of women that I know who are notable exceptions to that rule but we have worked very hard as an organisation and I include my white gay male colleagues in in that to increase the diversity within our team uh, but also to raise the profile and to centre the minority groups within our community so that pride doesn't feel like a place that you're only welcome if you happen to be a gay man who's white. So this year we had um, 
groups supporting the trans community right at the front of the parade and also a a big trans group of paraders right at the back of the parade with a, a I can't remember how long the flag was, about 50 feet or something like that, trans flag. Uh, and we had messages on Piccadilly Circus talking about the need for trans inclusivity. We also this year launched a new world area in Golden Square, which focused on BME talent. So what we're doing all the time is trying to listen to the community to understand which parts of the community need to be raised up. So, you know, is it the non-binary community? Is it bisexuals who, you know, we need to build understanding. We need to educate people about what something like biphobia is or transphobia. And we can do that because we have a we have a huge platform and we have a huge reach. You know, hundreds of thousands of people follow us. What if you're a straight person and you go to Pride? What's the feeling within the community about that? I'll be honest, there is a range of opinions on that. My personal view is that everybody should be welcome at Pride as long as they are there recognising what Pride is for. Preach. (laughs) Because one of the things that I find really interesting is this notion of pinkwashing, as you put it. So certain brands who might like to be associated with Pride for all the positive stuff that it brings you, but actually don't really follow through. And there are some notable exceptions to that on Regent Street, I know. Some brands who do terrific work, like Kiehl's, they market a special cream every year and some of the profits go to Pride. But do you have other examples of brands who do a particularly good job? Yes. I mean, it costs about £1.2 million to put on Pride in London. In, in terms of everything we do. So, you know, a good 50-60% of that comes from partnerships with brands. And, you know, we have a process that we use to validate that the brands that we work with are supportive of the LGBT plus community, not just during the month of June, but all year round, and that they're supportive of their staff, but also supportive of their customers and that their policies are consistent uh, and not just in the UK, but on a global basis. Now, we are not the LGBT plus police, but it is very important that the brands that we partner with have that integrity and are able to demonstrate their commitment on a 365 day basis. So our lead sponsor is Tesco. And Tesco have a long history of supporting LGBT plus uh, causes and not just prides. They're involved in prides around the country. Um, They support us financially, yes, but they also support us operationally. So we deploy on the day of pride a thousand volunteers who just volunteer for the day. We train double that during the month of uh, May to make sure that we get the turnout we need. And Tesco supply all of those volunteers with packed lunches and with water for the day. That's not visible to most of the people who might criticise the fact that we have sponsors. The reality is you can't you can't deliver pride without sponsors. But there's also another important point to that, which is that actually we need all the allies we can get. And generations that have gone before us have worked very, very hard to build a broad base of support across business. And business has been very supportive in terms of helping to influence some of the changes we've seen in policy and in the law in this country. So I do not underestimate that. And I think brands that are able to, like Tesco, who you know do so much. So for example, they've got a partnership with um, Switchboard, who provide help to people who need support uh, via the telephone. 
And I don't know whether you've seen that Skittles during Pride season produce limited edition white packets. So they they take they give the rainbow back to us for the month. I love that. Yes. So smart. I think they're just a good example of a brand that is is putting its money where its mouth is and is is not to say that they're perfect, who is, but they're doing their best. What I'm critical of are the brands that just seem to pick it up for the few weeks ahead of Pride when, you know, actually Pride brings in a lot of money to the West End. Uh, A lot of money. If you think about that, 1.5 million people who, you know, and we've researched how much more they're spending than they would on an average day and it's considerable. It's impossible to kind of quantify perfectly, but we are definitely a boost to the economy. An irritating boost, I grant you, because we, you know, it's impossible to get anywhere, but nevertheless, <laughs> a, a boost. Uh, and I think, it, I, do, I just, I rail against, I see windows which have got rainbows on them. It's kind of like, don't just stick a rainbow in your yeah. window. Because, you know, it's not there's, just a pretty sign. No, and it's not Black Friday. You know, it's, it, it needs to have more substance to that because we're talking about civil rights you know, it's it's serious. And I just, every brand that I speak to, I encourage them to engage with it in a serious way. Not to say that I love to see, you know, I love it at that point in the year when London turns rainbow. I love it. So it's not that I want to tear down all of the rainbow decals. That's not where I'm coming from. I just encourage brands to engage properly and to think about um, firstly how they engage their staff because you know this might be surprising to your listeners but there are a lot of LGBT people who work in retail and um, how they engage their staff how they support their staff and then beyond that how they can demonstrate that support to the wider community. I'm fascinated by the fact that you said it costs 1.2 million to put on Pride and you get 1.5 million people. So that's very good value because Pride is free. London Pride is free, which yes. you have is to say, unique. You have to say Pride in London because London Pride is a beer and we're queer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Actually, in our, in, first, in our first year, we approached London Pride. We approached Fuller's and said, look, yeah. <laughs> namesake perfect how's about you know we do a deal and they were like who even are you <laughs> um but last year they supported us and they ran a campaign on the tubes about you know you wait for you wait for one london pride to come along and then two come along uh so london obviously is the kind of the apart from being the epicenter of the universe it is also the capital of the uk and therefore i think around pride all eyes are on London. London rightly attracts a level of scrutiny that perhaps other prides don't, comes in for a lot of criticism. But we have always, there have always been a few things that we have felt very, very strongly about. And one of those is that for social inclusion purposes, and because we are a beacon, not just to the rest of the UK, but to the world, and we know this because because people get in touch with us and tell us about how actually seeing people on the streets of London gives them hope in Bangladesh or wherever it might be. It's very important that it should be free for people to attend and to show support and to enjoy it. And I think, you know, there are parts of our community that really struggle financially, and the trans community would be one very good example of that. So for inclusion purposes it's vital for me that it stays it stays free i didn't get involved in this to be a festival organizer i got involved in it because i wanted to organize a protest that came with the added advantage of being a big party 
And what are the logistics? I'm really interested in the granular detail here of how how early do you start planning? We literally start the day after the the previous event. We have a team of about 200 people who work on Pride uh, year round to a greater or lesser extent. We we, we did a piece of um, analysis last year which showed that we reckon that based on London living wages, if we had a wage bill, it would be well over two million quid a year. That's what we're giving as a team of volunteers to the city. That's so impressive. I had no idea that it was wholly volunteers doing we it. We do, around the Pride time, we, we do put a few people on short-term contracts. Was one of the things that we have done over the past few years is have pop-up shops. We have one in Carnaby Street. We've had one in Old Compton Street and this year in Covent Garden. So operationally, it is a machine. And we are, our key partners are Westminster, uh, the GLA, obviously the emergency services and TFL. And then we have a team of um, resident business liaison managers who uh, work with businesses on our footprint and the retailers in, in Regent Street, uh, just to keep them abreast of what our plans are and to make sure that we're encouraging them to get involved and working in partnership with them in whatever they way they want to, really. What's the most stressful part of it? Oh, the most stressful part of it is knowing that you are responsible for the safety of a million odd people. Yeah, I mean, that's it's quite the responsibility, Alison, I have to say, <laughs> when you put it like that. Yeah. And what about you personally? What's your favourite Pride in London memory? Oh, I've got so many. I've got so many. I've been in some ridiculous situations, thanks to Pride. This year, uh, there is there is always that moment when you come down Regent Street, on the parade, when you come down Regent Street... And the parade is a nightmare because the mayor walks at the front of the parade and everybody wants to shake his hand, so he slows everything down, Um, which is quite good fun, really, but it's sort of logistically, it's a nightmare. But as you're coming down Regent Street and then you get to the end of Regent Street and you're at Piccadilly Circus and where the crowds are thickest, basically, and just the noise... And this year we had, the crowds were forming up way before we started the parade. I'd never seen it that busy before. Mm. So that is a real thriller of a moment. Then you've got, we we go on stage at uh, Trafalgar Square to say thank you to our team and to introduce the mayor who gives a speech. And that's always funny. He came off this year. I think my favourite moment this year was René Zellweger was backstage. And uh, it appears that the mayor is quite the fan of René Zellweger. (laughs) Really? Yes. She was like, oh, I want to, can you introduce me to Renee's elbow? I was like, yeah, she's my best friend. Of course I will. (laughs) (laughs) So that was funny. That was really funny. It's kind of like, it was one of those surreal moments when you're just, you know, my life is just bonkers. But then honestly, the best moment, the best moment is when at the end of the evening around sort of 10 or 11, my core team were all kind of gathered together somewhere, somewhere in Soho. And we've done it. We've kind of, it's been safe. It's done. And you can raise a glass. You can raise a glass of London pride. Yeah. Well, no, at that point, it's definitely gin. (laughs) Um, I'd love to talk to you about sustainability and what work pride is doing on that for the future. Yes. So um, we have been working on the sustainability front for actually a number of years. And 
in our usual fashion, not doing a good enough job of blowing our own trumpet about it. But this year we declared a climate emergency. We were talking with um, uh, Extinction Rebellion. But to be honest, what they were asking us to do was already on our radar. So as you can imagine, when I mean, last year it was 30-odd degree heat for Pride. So you're walking a fine line between making sure that your, firstly, your volunteers are hydrated, but secondly, that people have access to uh, sufficient water. So plastic bottles are, to some extent, a necessary evil. But we've been working to put water cubes around the footprint so that people can fill up and use um, reusable bottles. We've also partnered with One Less, uh, which I know some of the retailers that are on Regent Street will be members of as well. And we're working with Tesco to look at... So Tesco provided some reusable bottles this year instead of... um, Single-use. bottles, yeah. single-use, yeah. So that on single-use. We have also banned uh, balloons on the parade because the plastic from balloons is very damaging to... Um, once balloons get going, they kind of go off and, you know, kill cows and that kind of stuff. And we only support the use of biodegradable glitter as well. So those are three examples. It, in terms of other work that we're doing, we drastically restricted the number of buses on the parade this year. And we all but eliminated the use of the presence of uh, ice cream vans around the footprint as well, because they're just, you know, pumping out diesel fumes all day. Mm. Uh, And we're looking at implications for the parade moving forward, how we how we reduce our carbon footprint. Our ambition is to become carbon neutral. Our challenge is that we don't know how to measure our carbon footprint because of the nature of the event just how much you take into account there. But we're looking at a number of different steps that we might take to offset our environmental impact and to uh, and really see we see this as an area where we should be showing leadership and we're very, very committed to it. Our director of volunteer engagement, who happens to be my wife, is sustainability manager at Selfridges. So she keeps us all honest, to say the least. That's very handy. Yes. Very handy pillow talk. Um, (laughs) I'm obsessed with biodegradable glitter. Yes. Where can I buy biodegradable glitter? You can buy that from our pop-up shop. Great. Um, I've got no idea where it'll be next year. (laughs) But the the pop-up shop has been fabulous. That has really added in a new income stream for us. And it's been a really important one. Uh, But it's also provided a space in the West End for the community to come together in the in the weeks leading up to Pride. So we run lots of different sort of takeover events, so trans takeovers. We had a, um, uh, a Buy Guys night this year and lots of different events. We had um, a group of who support asylum seekers, LGBT uh, asylum seekers taking over. So we do education events and social events as well as sell lots of um, merchandise, including our biodegradable glitter and the full range of LGBT plus flags as face paint now what what are the logistics of shutting down regent street pedestrianizing regent street i should say so how does the regent street community come together to facilitate that what what happens well we do it all so they start shutting down very early in the morning on on pride day itself the barriers are all in place obviously ready to go but first thing in the morning you know you can still get through regent street but it, it closes fairly early and then we aim to get our parade through the parade is is timed to within an inch of its life like we know exactly how many people we should have in a square meter and at what speed if they're if they're marching at a certain speed how long that should take 30 
33,000 people to go through. It is a mathematical model. It's ridiculous. That's incredible. Even if Sadiq Khan is shaking too many hands. Yes, well, we factored that in. <laughs> the Sadiq in. factor. Yes. That's so interesting. Oh, that was another favourite moment this year when we had the rainbow crossing on Regent Street and we did the photo call with the mayor. It was, it was hysterical. There were four of us. It was Amy LeMay, the mayor, me and Michael sort of church, my, um, my co-chair. It was like the Beatles crossing. And, and of course, Sadiq was like, I'm John Lennon. <laughs> Or is it getting ideas of his station now? He's best friends with Renee Zellweger. <laughs> it was very funny. But that was great as well. That was a really great moment. Uh, yeah, so the logistics are, I mean, it is, it's a well-oiled machine. Our operations team, they don't let me get too close to the operations because I, I just don't have the attention span for it. Um, they're much better at the detail than I am. But they have a plan for everything and then they have a backup plan. We plan it to the extent that we even have a team of us who are on standby the night before in case anything happens. And we do a lot of scenario planning um, with our partners so we can look at, you know, if, if there were to be, I don't know, if a sinkhole were to pop up in Regent Street, for example, we would have a plan for that. <laughs> One of the things that I like about Pride is that the police seem to be nice and in a good mood. And, it's, and, and I don't know whether you specially select them or whether they're just soaking up the atmosphere. Well, I understand that Pride is a very popular shift to to attend to run i think you know obviously every year we have we have challenges around making sure that people don't get too um what's it our gold commander used to say overly enthusiastic (laughs) as a euphemism Uh, and keeping people safe is an issue but actually in terms of relative to its size the amount of uh of issues that the police have to deal with uh is small it's it's relatively small it's a fabulous day everybody is there to celebrate each other and that is it's a joyous occasion from that perspective i think it shows london at its best in many ways because everybody does come together and it's very instagrammable how do you feel about instagram do you think that that's been a good thing for pride in london yes because i think it shows the beauty of it and the diversity of it in a way that is really important for people to see and i think that that's you know warts and all i mean there are those who would argue that pride should be sanitised, and I'm not one of those. I think, you know, there is an element about, you know, we are celebrating how we identify sexually, and so there is that di- di- dimension to it, obviously within the bounds of decency. But, you know, we are meant to be a bit subversive, and I do think that there is a very... There's a there's a line between sort of normalisation and, and conforming to a certain extent versus being a bit... Um, mischievous and a bit different you know actually i think part of pride is about celebrating our difference can you give us any hints about future pride in london celebrations what are your plans well having last year introduced the world stage in golden square and also moved our family area over to st giles uh, which was a huge success we had something like six thousand kids through in the day What I try to do is to say, right, if we have a year of kind of growth, then we need a year of consolidation. So we need to take what we did this year and make it better for next year. But having said that, it would be a bit dull if we didn't do anything completely new. The thing is, I don't think we've yet come up with it. So, I mean... (laughs) What about a biodegradable glitter gun? That's a great idea. I'm sure that the street cleaners would be really, really, really keen on that. 
<laughs> but that is a great idea. You can have that in one for free. Trafalgar Square, off the stage. Yes. Or off a rooftop on Regent Street. Oh, off, yeah. Off, off the Liberty rooftop. Off all of the rooftops. <gasps> Alison! <Alison. laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to think a bit bigger. Done. <laughs> Next year's Pride, done. Um, Alison Camps, it's been such a delight for you to come in. Thank you so much for everything that you do and for this fantastic and interesting interview. I've loved it. Thank you so, so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shaping the Future by Regent Street. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do take a minute to rate, review and subscribe. It really does help other people to find the show. Follow more Regent Street happenings at Regent Street W1 on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Otherwise, head over to regentstreetonline.com for more detailed information. This has been Shaping the Future by Regent Street with me, your host, Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth Day.